Hi Prisms, welcome, welcome to another episode on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie and I'm very excited for this share because this week we're venturing into another taboo topic. We're talking about sex. Yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know, but that's a part of life. Okay. So we're not just talking about sex. My special guest, the wonderful sex coach behind Sexy Soul Matrix, Erica Briones, and I will be attempting to dive deep into heart-centered passion, the beauty of self-love, the benefits of tantric practices like eye gazing, and we even chat a little bit about BDSM, you know, sex clubs and how to have a safe and loving sexual experience that creates meaningful connections at the soul level. Erica shares with us her own vulnerable and intimate story along with her wisdom and talent in how she helps people open up, understand sex in relationship to their self, and she even gives us some juicy advice on how to have the best sex ever. Get ready because we're about to turn up the heat here on the Prismatic Academy. So without any further ado, here's episode 13, Sexy Soul Matrix with Erica Briona. So today I'm talking with Erica Susanna Briones, who is a genius healer vixen behind Sexy Soul Matrix, where she coaches high performers through solving sexual issues on a soul level to better help them create deeper, more meaningful connections in their lives and work. Erica is based out of LA, and I know her to be a powerhouse model of authenticity, vulnerability, and all-around realness. I love her Facebook Lives, where she shares intimate pieces of her own journey, blended in with her wisdom and learning, and without further ado, let's jump into our chat. So Erica, thank you so much for being on this call with me. I'm so, so thrilled to hear more about your work and story and it's so inspirational and something so vital yet as a society we tend to keep these parts of us hidden in the shadows so maybe we can start with you sharing with us a little bit more about your work and how you're changing people's lives for the better. Thank you, Chrissy. That was an amazing introduction. Wow. For an amazing person. <laughs> was, it felt like a shot of espresso. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to highlight just how great you are because I definitely follow you and your work on Facebook. and like, people need to know about you. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your work and what it is you do for people? Yes, absolutely. And as you say, I solve sexual issues on a soul level. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize the word soul because it's more than just, let's go to a sex store, guys, and mm -hmm. I'm going to buy you a vibrator. And there's your solution. Problem solved. <laughs> right? Like, and I could, I could literally, you know, tell you, go to adamandeve.com mm -hmm. or read this book everything's a lot better, right? Right. I mean, you would think and, so. Vibrators solve so many problems, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and instead, some people actually can't get off because it's actually a lot more rooted mm -hmm. into childhood. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a bachelor's in child and family development. 
and I have steady children and different temperaments. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, coming from a background of doing Tantra and BDSM, and specifically Tantra means weaving masculine and feminine energies. And in case you don't know what that means for the vanilla folk, no <laughs> offense to anyone, it's really a matter of learning connection, which is really the glue in relationships. It's about, uh, you know, deep eye gazing and breath work and sharing the stuff that we don't normally talk about, right? And sometimes when it's with our partner, we're very, very silent, like almost uncomfortably, right? Mm -hmm. And it's important to learn how to have these conversations. And I say that as a Latina, I was not allowed to share. If I did, Mm -hmm. it would be seen as wrong and bad. And so for many, many years, that noise was, if I say something, I will be ostracized. And I took several seminars. I've been in the self-help section. And for me, what changed a lot was there was literally a book that I saw looking back at me, which happened to be Gabriel Bernstein's May Cause Miracles. Mm -hmm. And I was homeless during the time. And I just remember Cheetos in my car. And I was going to Barnes and Nobles religiously. Mm-hmm. And, and once I found this book, I said, Oh, my God, I wish I can do this one day. Um, and, you know, was doing, you know, like living a double life. And in terms of the BDSM aspect, BDSM is about a lot of people think it's about dungeons and flogging and, you know, mm-hmm. like 50 shades of gray. It's, it's so much more psychological than that. Well, let's and go. so go into what does BDSM stand for specifically? It's uh it stands for bondage, discipline, sadomasochist, control, and discipline. I believe I said that. Yeah. Um, um it's actually a six word six sorry it's a four letter acronym for six words. Wow. And I know I'm like missing the last one. <laughs> and it's great cuz I just just talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's everything from like bondage and discipline and control and, you know, being submissive and masochist. And there's so many elements to it. Um, it's really about there. We, we usually have a dominant person and then there is a sub submissive person in that, that environment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes someone might have a different need in that environment, someone might just want to be tickled or someone might want to be humiliated or someone might want to, you know, like just like slapped (laughs) and it depends. And, you know, like the submissive just listens to the dominant and it really depends. There's so many like levels, but the one thing that people need to learn, it's safe, sane and consensual safe being you know you're with someone who is not doing any drugs or alcohol it's done in a very safe environment they have all of the equipment clean and they're having a really deep conversation before they get into that because some people have medical conditions and it's really good to be with a a dom who really Mm -hmm. understands these elements 
And the saying is being with someone who is obviously like mentally healthy Mm-hmm. And some people are not as mentally strong to handle that, especially sexual abuse survivors. And ironically, the reason I got into it is because for the longest time, you know, for the viewers that don't know me, from the age of 7 to 13, I was sexually abused by my stepdad with a gun next to my bed. Wow. So anytime I wanted to go outside, I was raped. Anytime. I wanted to have a toy. I was raped. And so it showed up in kind of like my behavior growing up. And I got into that, that type of taboo, or as a lot of people call it sex work. And so it kind of conditioned me to kind of go into that rabbit hole. And as much as I was resisting, and I realized now I actually love sexuality, because I get to teach people the safe way and the healthy way to do it. Wow. Especially because you know both sides of it. And that's amazing, too, that instead of, you know, turning away from it, bearing it down, like any kind of trauma that surfaces out of that, you leaned into it, you looked into it, and you explored it. Mm -hmm. And now you're really sharing what you learn. And I can understand how people might have you know, a lot of reservations around BDSM. I know that for me, just the thought of it kind of scares me a little because I don't know if I trust somebody enough, not just with my body, but with who I am. So Mm -hmm. how has that affected you? What have you learned from it? And what do you hope people take out of it? Not that you're going around like prescribing this, um, but when you do recommend it in those those cases where people can benefit from it, Mm -hmm. what do you hope that they gain? Okay, really good question. And like I said before, it's not for everyone. There might be people that have been abused and they just can't handle that. Some Mm -hmm. people just can't be a sub. For example, depending on the lover, depending on the person, and I'm sure that we have built a really good relationship in the emotional side and And I say that because, you know, being with someone who is a little bit not respecting boundaries, Mm -hmm. I may not, I may actually go back into my sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. I may actually start resisting and it would actually trigger my symptoms more. And what I mean by symptoms, (laughs) it's, it probably sounds like a WebMD thing, but Mm -hmm. honestly, when I say symptoms, it can be everything from an asthma attack to panic attack. Right. to um, mental triggers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, women back in the Victorian periods, the 1920s, a lot of women experienced hysteria. And right. so they yeah. had to go to see a practitioner that would, you know, work on their their pussy or their, you know, um, that tissue because it turned out to be a mental state. Mm-hmm. And I saw it as women getting happy endings but it was actually in a very clinical and very safe environment. Mm-hmm. And that after that, that's when the vibrator came out. Wow. And so in terms of, you know, finding, like understanding BDSM, I would recommend it to someone who wants to learn how to get their voice again, someone who is with an environment or, you know, a, a community of people that will actually kind of talk you through every every part of BDSM Mm -hmm. and 
I actually did not like BDSM once it became a dominatrix because, you know, the dominatrix place I worked at in LA was full of drugs and alcohol and some people were really sketchy Mm -hmm. and, you know, some girls were doing it and, you know, some, some people actually liked it, but depending on your your strength meaning like how how well you can take that kind of environment it's going to affect you right and what I mean by that is there's so much like if someone wants to become a submissive there's going to be literally physical pain and obviously it's controlled it's not like you're you're hitting yourself with a hammer or like really crazy stuff it's you're with someone and you're you're like, there's like specific uh, sequence of, of tools that go with BDSM. For example, there's a flog, there's a crop, there is, you know, Wharton barrel wheel, there is vampire gloves, there is just like slapping the hands, mm-hmm. and there's like psychological um, c- controlled abuse. And again, someone who is very shy and very sweet may not be able to handle it Mm -hmm. and if anything I believe someone who's shy would benefit from learning how to dom so you just said that you couldn't be at that end perhaps learning about you know how to like actually play on that role maybe it might even access um, a different like sense of self-worth a different sense of power in your realm and you might notice that you might even feel a little bit you know sexier or you might even notice that you tap into that masculine side which will give you more ideas for I don't know questions or a different level of vulnerability does that make sense it does so it kind of sounds like almost you're taking a a role play environment and what you learn within that role play environment can become applicable in your real life. So, mm-hmm. and so one thing that I've heard about um, like dominance and submissives is that you need to learn how to be a submissive before you can be a dominant. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, it was the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. I started, I was with a different facilitator, so they had to train me to do everything from the strap on to just watching the the person in charge. And it didn't happen all of a sudden. For me, I realized I actually did not know how to dom because I was so shy. And eventually it turned out I just did not feel safe in the environment that I was in. And eventually I discovered a sex positive community And it was great because there was three different rooms. There was the white room for Tantra, the red room for sex, and the blue and black room for BDSM. Mm -hmm. And it's like the classic story of Goldilocks and the three bears, right? (laughs) I felt like Goldilocks, and I was like, the red room is a little bit too intense. The white room is too sweet. I little I need something else. So I go into this room and I see this Asian woman being flogged by two men and they were super like grounded, spiritual and heart-centered and the fact that I actually energetically felt safe 
made me like want to go down that rabbit hole. Wow. That's incredible because in my mind, those two things are just completely separate, right? The spiritual side and then like blending that with um, not like it's I guess it's not physical torture, is it right? Or like torture isn't the best word to describe it. How would maybe we can come up with a good word to properly explain that. But yeah, it's it's very difficult for me to like hold those two concepts in my mind and then try to blend them together. So that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds a little bit like being in a safe environment to explore sexuality has a lot to do with, you know, established expectations and boundaries, right? So what are some of the Mm -hmm. things that you would recommend people look out for? Look out for in terms of... Like in, in regards to what could be considered an unsafe environment. I know that you talked a little bit about making sure that people are sane, right? That they're in the right mind. um, And then that they're coming from the right place spiritually. But what what could really help people if they're interested in this? Like what could help them kind of hone in on their their interests and maybe like dip their toe into the experience safely? Safely. That's that's a really great question. And I would say... Do your research, really get to know the facilitators, really get to know what is their background and where are you where are you finding these specific tribes? We obviously hear about meetup.com and then there's FetLife and then there's so many different, you know, even Facebook groups, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really like understanding, like, you know, we as women need to know more, more evidence, more testimonials. Like as a woman, like the first thing I do is check out that person's resource. Back when I was younger, I was just so numb and I just didn't care because I was just depressed. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm older and I've gone through a lot of like crazy, crazy shit Mm -hmm. that now it's like, my safety is so important because it's obviously going to affect my emotional and cognitive health down the line. And I don't want to make that risk. Right. Mm -hmm. And sexuality is incredibly precious. Obviously, you know, the us as foodies, we have to be even more careful about where we get our food. Where is it coming from? You know, is it GNO? Mm -hmm. And the same thing that we have to be just as careful with sexuality. Like, where did this person train with, you know, do they have like any bad reputation? Are they honest? Do we actually, um, feel in our heart? Like, is this person going to respect our boundaries? And then energetically, you know, even listening to that person, right. Hop on to a call with the facilitator and energetically, like just notice if you feel excited. If you notice after a conversation, you feel like tired Mm -hmm. or you're just like feeling kind of like um, irritated, I would say don't, don't Mm -hmm. go there. Um, And I remember an incident that I just took a seminar and I was like super on cloud nine. I was extremely hyper and happy. And I found this like uh, position. I haven't shared the story before Mm -hmm. to be, to be like a hostess at a, at a BDSM bar, at a BDSM club. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's so hot. Like, that's amazing. 
and I went to this sketchy place and there there was obviously like um like the dungeon side and then the person was saying oh this is going to be very exclusive and you know please be um very careful with discretion because there's a lot of celebrities and then this person was name dropping and somehow (laughs) I just felt like uncomfortable energetically uncomfortable people were staring at me and it just felt really creepy and I don't know why but I said you know what I'm just gonna use this day as an experiment and so I'm just gonna warn some some people that may be out there to just put your headphones on (laughs) in case if you have little ones please put your your headphones on you know (laughs) (laughs) um so I go to this this section of the the sex club and I I finally figured out what circle jerk means. Oh, well done. <laughs> I I wasn't planning on it and it's I was in the middle of a swing and back in the day I thought swing swing clubs was people on swings having sex. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I realized that that's not that's not what a swing cl- like swingers are. So basically I sat in a swing and there was all of these guys around me and basically jerking off in a circle with a girl in a different area waiting for guys to have sex with her. Wow. And after that, I said, I don't, I'm not going to work here. I don't feel safe here. I feel there's just a lot of negative energy and I later found out that a lot of people do, you know, cocaine. And I said, that's just not me. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just not where I feel aligned. And, you know, there's other sex clubs and places that, you know, they use that time for the first like hour to just have a conversation. And I really recommend that if you don't know Reed Mahalko, giving him a shout out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reed hears me like, hey, Reed. Uh, he's actually a big inspiration for me, like really like tuning into my sexuality because he really gives a lot of sex educators um, a good idea of what it means to be, to feel safe and to understand about how safe, how sex can be safe and fun. And so he has these play parties where he will lecture for about an hour to talk about condoms, STDs. He does connection games. And then, you know, you know, he actually has a kit for lube and condoms and he'll have specific people like almost like sex referees. Well, they'll, they will literally assist you and give you the tools that you need if you're about to have sex. Everything from towels to wipes and everyone is made sure to get with a partner and do a lot of connection games. Um, they, they play one of the games is what is your wildest and mildest sexual fantasy? And we will talk about boundaries and consensual and we will literally, you know, be like when I, last time I saw him, I was at intimacy fest with my friends, um, Dave Buddha and Reed. Mm -hmm. And it was just an amazing experience because nudity is appreciated. Everyone is safe. Everyone is able to say no, like no is encouraged. And that was, that's when I left feeling excited about sexuality. I, I actually like 
felt like I really wanted to learn more about it just because I was with those facilitators that talked about everything. And that's just kind of a little bit of a contrast between the sex club and the sex party. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's what it sounds like to me, how like with the sex club for you and your work and what you do as a healer, it's, it's never just about the sex, right? The sex is the tool that you dive in to learn more about yourself. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, even as I was listening to you share your story, I noticed for the first time, I'm like, wow, I actually feel nervous about sex and talking about sex. And that's something that I don't think I've ever experienced before. You know, I'm pretty open. and (laughs) But when I hear you talking about like these facilitators and like creating a really unique, authentic, intimate experience around sex, that Mm -hmm. is something that actually sounds, you know, not just safe, but more natural. It's... Mm -hmm. It just felt like that's a more natural way of being. I mean, minus minus having, like, sex referees or spectators. But, I mean, <laughs> what, you're not going to get that kind of coaching from anywhere else. So why not, you know, in a safe environment with people who are there supporting you from a, a heart-centered place? That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the games of connection. I know that you mentioned eye gazing (laughs) earlier Mm -hmm. and that's something that I experienced for the first time maybe about a year ago and I have to tell you it was only for two minutes and it was the most uncomfortable thing that I've done in a Mm -hmm. really long time. So Mm. can you explain to us a little bit about what eye gazing is uh, beyond the obvious and what it does for people? Yes, and this is something that I'm very, very fascinated with, and I'm very fascinated with the human eyes. Besides the brain, Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated with the eyes because I technically have like a a twitch that -hmm. happens on and off, Mm -hmm. and it comes on more when I'm in new environments. But basically, a lot of people that do public speaking if you notice, they have amazing eye contact. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, anyone who is on stage that had amazing eye contact, right? And sometimes I look at those people and I wonder, how do they do that? That is scary, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're being seen, right? And it was interesting because I recently went to my friends Mystic Misfits have a really cool organization where they do tribal dinners and we do a lot of like connection, heart-centered exercises. And I had to go in the middle of the circle and share like my story. And one of the guys who I was very attracted to. <laughs> that always helps, um, right? Oh, no. <laughs> he, he said, wow, like you have really good eye contact. I wish I could do that. And I said, well, I would, I want to teach you that. (laughs) Um, and, and basically when we do eye gazing and the tantric philosophy, when you're looking at your partner's left eye, specifically the left eye, you're supposed to be getting ancient wisdom that you're just being channeled. And when you do that for a long period of time, along with the breath work, along with the intention setting, 
different things can occur. Sometimes doing eye gazing can just create like sexual, you know, like your, your sexuality is heightened. You're going to be turned on more. You, in other situations, you might just be vulnerable. You might just be emotional and, you know, crying is a form of orgasm, I believe. And other times you might not feel anything. And you just start to kind of understand you humanity in that in that realm. And there was a quote that came up where it's um, okay. The quote is connection is our humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and intimacy is just really tuning in to the in-between times when we're not speaking. Wow. And that energy in between is is everything that's why we say like silence is golden and silence also speaks volume I love that yeah I think uh Jimmy Carter was one of the ones who comes to mind for saying that too like uh the bond between our humanness is our connectedness or something along Mm -hmm. those lines that was just really inspirational and meaningful to me and yes <laughs> I uh-huh. wasn't I wasn't one of the ones who got turned on through eye gazing in fact it was just so vulnerable looking back at this person who I felt could actually see me that was really looking at uh-huh. me and yeah the whole time my mind was racing asking myself is this okay like am I okay? <laughs> can she, like, what, what can she see? I hope not. And I do remember crying. And mm. at the end of it, um, my partner who I was eye gazing with, she was crying too. And mm. there was just like this moment where we saw each other's beauty and understood, mm. you know, each other through our vulnerabilities. Cause we were kind of connecting on that level of like, Hey, you know, we're, we're really the same in, in this activity that we just shared. So it was incredibly powerful, something so simple, right? It's mm-hmm. so simple. Absolutely. And that's, <laughs> it's, it's so different with every person. Sometimes mm-hmm. you might even feel like more, more intuition. Mm-hmm. You might even gain more um, sympathy. Your eyes might relax. And other times you might even finish each other's sentences. Wow. And I was uh, on a panel with Dustin Garrett, who does Evolve um, Masculine. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. He would kill me if I'm, like, portraying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically, Dustin Garrett coaches men around sex, love, and power. And I was invited to be on a panel. And I would be next to these four goddesses. One of them on my left-hand side was about 65, the most energy, the most sense of love that I've ever seen from an older woman. And the other two women were sexologists and experts. And then I was in between. And so like we, sometimes we have, you know, different people that um, we look at. Um, But basically like Sometimes we think tantra has to be sexual, right? Mm-hmm. We ta- we might talk to someone of the opposite sex, and it might make that person think, "Oh, well, this is going to go somewhere." And instead, we could always just shift it into, "We're just learning about this topic that we haven't talked about before." Mm-hmm. 
And that's how I was programmed is, oh, if I talk about sex with the guy, it's going somewhere. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's, I think that we're just brought up with so many, like, stories about sex to where, yeah, that that is the anticipated outcome or maybe, like, the default, that default conclusion that people jump to, uh, which is why I guess we don't talk about sex openly in certain spaces, which, you know, we guard our sexuality from others in a lot of ways. So in your work, it sounds like you do a lot of unlearning, like Mm -hmm. unprogramming of these stories. Uh, Can you give maybe some examples or share some stories, uh, maybe even your own, about the type of unlearning you had to do that brought you closer to your authentic self? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And the unlearning came from after I was actually going into meditation. So some of the tools that I tell my clients is is pretty like a typical thing that happens with some coaching is, you know, deep meditation, mirror work, um, childhood shadow or shadow work. Right. Mm -hmm. And even in some of my sessions, I might even pretend to be the dominatrix, which I might, um, have my client say certain sentences that relate to their childhood. And I might, you know, pretend to be that mean person to represent that mother or father figure or that ex-lover. And, you know, I have to make sure that they're mentally sane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I make sure that they say certain sentences. For example, I will not let that in. And, you know, like the goal is for them to almost be hypnotized that that is not true, that those sentences are not real. And for me, in terms of the unlearning, it was very, very simple exercises from meditation, you know, doing emotional freedom, which is my signature tool. And it's not a tap dance or tap out like jiu-jitsu or tap in that ass or (laughs) tap in the screen. It's, um, psychological acupuncture that sends this calming signal to the amygdala and the tapping aspect is a a barbie hand that looks like a karate chop and then you're doing it to different parts of the face so it's like you're you're hitting your face and sometimes I'll laugh with my clients and say I'm gonna make sure you're gonna hit yourself but then I just I'm obviously joking um but it's it's basically just really like like talking about the stuff that we are not wanting to talk about because we as women have we're we're in our head a lot yes and we're thinking is this going to be good am I going to be good oh my god he's so hot do we have condoms that I took get tested like so many things come up right right in just and then before you know it it's in we had sex and then it's over and we're like what happened like I feel like I wasn't there Oh, girl, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> and that has happened to me before my transformation. Several lovers said I was horrible in bed. I was horrible. Because oh. <laughs> and are present, I sh- right? Like, it's so difficult. I feel like, especially for me personally, it's really difficult to get outside of my head during sex because I think – just as women, we're raised or even programmed to be people pleasers. So, and so I always think that it's like so weird to hear if you were 
told that you're horrible in bed. You're like, but I was just thinking of you the entire time as opposed to like being present. Mm -hmm. So how would you recommend women get outside of their head and to be present and to be connected with their partners to Mm. fully experience the pleasures of being intimate with somebody? I would say play. Play. Yeah. <laughs> play before play before um, guys don't get foreplay I mean they get the foreplay via via text you know mm-hmm. they're sending tumblers and by the time they see you they're just wanting to just get there like and they're expecting orgasm and they're expecting mind-blowing sex and sometimes they are not going to be able to finish because even the guy who might have a porn addiction they might be in their head and this is rare, like, I'm not saying all of them. And it's just based upon, you know, where did, where did they learn? Maybe they just learned via porn or nudie magazines, or they just had a horrible experience in the past. And so they're so used to just having casual sex. And, you know, having quality sex is almost like food. So it's like, some people go to fast food and they just want instant gratification instead of a five-star experience, mm-hmm. which is, is really about presence is literally that, that new currency, right? The new, the new now is alignment and presence. Right. That's and for women, women to get into their bodies is what I do with my partners. I always tell them, well, teach me something. Like the first thing I'll do, like one guy that I was very attracted to, I would said, oh, teach me something. And he taught me jujitsu. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and then he says, oh, teach me something. And I said, oh, let me teach you how to meditate. So we played that, that game. And after that, we ended up like having, we were like making out. And that was one, one situation. The next one is I taught one lover um, breath work. So I was teaching him a lot of like breath work, like, you know, breath of fire. So we hear this a lot and it's a navel, um, it's a nasal and stomach pumping exercise. And the more you do it, you're going to just feel really light. And so I would do this across from a partner and, you know, after we're doing this breath work, then I would eye gaze with them. Oh, wow. And they probably and, never experienced this before, huh? Yes. Wow. And and then usually we as women, we're waiting for the person to seduce us. And then the next thing is if you're a shy person, do that breath work for five minutes. And after that, crawl to them like sit on the floor and just crawl to them and just be like hey what's up how's it how's it going and just be playful and that might lead to some some place where you're just really present and really start practicing noticing just being in your body now like like right now like are you are you sitting down or are you like are you smelling something? What are you smelling? What are the senses around you? What do you see? What do you hear? What are you feeling in your heart? And just like practicing mindful exercises every day, it's, it's, it's rewiring the body and the mind to learn itself. Because 
we're so used to, I need to learn my partner before I know myself. And in the end, we end up not knowing our body. We end up not knowing our own operating system. It's like, you get to know your partner's Android phone more than your own iPhone. You're like, I know how to play with his his Android, but when it comes to your own iPhone, you're like, I have no idea how to use my phone. (laughs) And then that's so great that you bring that up because it's kind of an idea I've been circling around maybe for the past couple months is, you know, we're taking so many cues from our external environment to tell us who we are as opposed to giving the cues to our environment and actually like showing up, you know, in a way that is present and presenting yourself and letting your environment respond to that and how like one, one place is disempowering and then the other place is more empowering. So kind of playing with how you want to show up and I can see how that can, you know, really be powerful, especially in intimate experiences mm-hmm. showing up as you. Exactly. And it's a, and again, even if you're single, and I wish I could say this to the younger me <laughs> who was just not listening is, you know, just learning how to be with your body, taking a dance class, you know, taking a salsa class. Right. Yeah. Um, I know there's like tons of dancing. There's ecstatic dance. I specifically recommend salsa dancing or even a burlesque dancing oh totally class. Yeah, I love um, so much through salsa it's incredible like not just yourself but learning how to let somebody lead you it's it's very um it's such a great learning experience I think mm-hmm. for the self absolutely and I've actually interviewed some of the top dance dancers for about seven years and that experience of understanding some of the top dancers has allowed me to understand more about body language and interacting without speaking, Mm. right? You know, in salsa, it's very sensual. And, you know, now that I'm older, a lot of people tell me, you're so picky, Erica. And I say, I know, because I want to make sure that every dance is the best dance I've ever had. And sometimes I will look at a partner and he's somewhere else and I will make sure to not look at them because energetically I feel they have different motives. And some of the best dancers that I look at, they're smiling, they're looking at me, they make me feel like I'm the only person in the room. And that's that's like a tantric experience as well. Mm-hmm. The magnetism, and yeah. And I feel like a lot of dancers need to practice Tantra, especially salsa dancers, because they can actually be more with the music, be more with their with their partner if they're practicing how to even surrender like with their eyes. Because dancers, they're usually thinking about what pattern, what footwork am I going to do? What am I going to do next? Like, yeah, more you know, trying to... They're, they're rehearsing their inner script. We're all technically rehearsing. Like, even right now, like, I don't have, like, a monologue, you know, that mm-hmm. I rehearse with you. Like, this is just organic. Mm-hmm. And some people don't know how to do that because they're rehearsing what's the next thing to say because they want to be right. And that's kind of, like, how sex is. We, we listen to Cosmopolitan and tons of like the Kama Sutra book and it's great it's great to learn that stuff too 
but it's also good to just kind of like listen to what your body says. And it's something that you can't like really learn right now. It's something you would have to get when you're, when you're being coached one-on-one. Could you and, elaborate more on that? So the benefit of being coached one-on-one is just the helping you, helping to shine a light on things that you yourself can't see that's in your right. shadow. Okay. It's things that we don't know that we don't know, mm. right? The car analogy, right? Like I could say, um, just go watch this video and you're going to learn how to drive tomorrow. And <laughs> no one can watch Fast and the Furious and become a good driver the next day. And I say that because I have a fear of driving sometimes, um, especially with left turns. But that's a whole different story that I'm not, not going to get into. Um, but it's it's a similar like, okay, like I really want to drive like this and this is the style and this is how it's going to show up. And we end up like, Sometimes we get parking tickets or, you know, like there's accidents or, you know, it's a lot slower than others. And sometimes like there's mechanical problems. Yeah. And the more that we're aware of what's happening with our own, like our own car, we're going to be able to drive it better. Right. Like we as women, we really need to learn like how, how does our pussy look like just looking at your body naked a lot of women and a lot of guys complain to me, she wants the lights off. She is just, she doesn't want to try anything. She's not happy. She's, we just do the same thing all the time and they're unsatisfied. Um, and usually because there is a fear there and it's usually because they have low energy. And so coaching, the difference between advice and coaching is advice is you have the option to listen to me or not. Most cases, 85%, they may not listen. When it comes to coaching, is you're accountable to their promise. You're accountable for them doing the homework. And when I had a, a fitness trainer and I had to pay them, I said, okay, I have to go to the gym. Like, I have to do my homework. And before you know it, like, I lost weight and just, I just, now I love the gym. Mm. So, when I coach my clients, a lot of them start with, I've never had an orgasm before. And when that, when they told me that, I'll be honest, I was a little bit scared because I didn't, I always tell them, don't expect to get an orgasm because you need to do the homework. And then after they do the homework and I teach them like the specific key tools, everything from the, the tapping exercise to the meditations you know, to the specific um, recommended texts, they do it. And then they call me later saying, I finally had sex. I had the best orgasm ever. I think I squirted <laughs> this one guy. And then I had one guy who said, I got off, off of Viagra after seven years. Wow. Yeah. Very well put. I can totally, yeah. I definitely believe that, you know, if you really, really are committed to improving in any area in your life, it definitely does take that commitment, the accountability, the investment that comes with learning and experience and, you know, going to the experts and being able to work one-on-one with them is a definite unique experience. And especially in the space of sexuality, you know, having somebody there who is safe, 
who makes you feel safe to guide you. I can definitely see how there's so many benefits around that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's wrap up here soon because I know that we're coming up on time and I just have a few fun questions for you that I'm curious about. Okay. <laughs> so what is your favorite topic to talk about? Favorite topic? Every day is a new week, and so this week is about passion, right? Mm-hmm. Kissing. Yeah. I feel women need to learn how to be passionate no matter the age, no matter the age. And, you know, a lot of people say, I just don't know how to kiss. I just don't know how to be passionate. Oh, I'm, I'm tired, and trust me, I get tired too. But always, like, um, food is really a big part of passion, right? Mm-hmm. If you're eating, like, really bad food, you're going to feel bad as mm-hmm. well. If you are in that space where you're like, I want to just ignite passion, you know, like go work out, go like feel sexy, put on a like a Beyonce song, take that class. And and then even if you have to like, you know, self-pleasure yourself, you know, just do that. And then you never know, you might even have your partner look at you differently because you're not codependent on him for the D. <laughs> And they might just be thinking, wow, like she's really like in herself. Like I'm kind of jealous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're like, you know, guys get jealous when a woman is doing her own thing. And that's a beautiful part. You know, passion comes from you just like finding it within yourself. It's something that that always happens. And again, that's not everyone. A lot of people just put on the blame game or they gossip. And that you start to lose that passion, mm-hmm. start to kind of be aware of your conversations and, you know, get excited, get, get excited about sex. It's very energizing. And you know, I love that you said that just because I, I agree with you, women need to be passionate. And that is, I feel like so much a part of our feminine energy, right? The passion. And I feel like the masculine is masculine's job is to kind of give the space the boundaries the limitation for the passion to play in it's almost like when you see a man playing an instrument and the woman dances um Mm. you know that that gentle or even vigorous just that natural flow and expression that comes out from women I don't know if it's super unique for men to be passionate which is weird because I feel like they're naturally passionate you know the guys who have it they just have it but it's the women who I just like, I like I admire most and feel most inspired by when they're actually in their place of passion, right? You know, because that mm-hmm. that implies so much that they understand themselves, that they understand connection and magnetism, and they're really in alignment with their purpose and what interests them. Yeah, yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, Erica, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any final closing thoughts? How can people find you? Um, what do you hope to leave people with? Oh, thank you for that last mm-hmm. question. Um, before that, I just want to say thank you so much, Christy, <laughs> for this awesome conversation, this podcast, oh, and how you interview. You have amazing interview skills. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I'm actually going to be creating a three month coaching program for any specifically for women who want to change everything from their sex life, career to purpose. 
and we will talk about the the different stages, everything from healing the inner child to learning how to use that sexual energy for their business and get back into um, dancing, you know, using that, getting back into that feminine essence that we all are born with. And also I do have um, a newsletter that's about to come out. And if they just go to the website, ericabriones.com or E-R-I-K-A-B-R-I-O-N-E-S.com. They can, you know, click on the website, have like a program that's happening about around heartbreak. And, you know, they have an opportunity to just check out the content. And and it's mostly for people that that they're they're sick and tired of just being vanilla. They want to be like mm. spicy, tai chi, or they just want to like ignite that passion again they want to ignite that that sensual essence again mm-hmm. they want to like tap into what would it look like if I just started playing again what if it yeah. looked like if I just started getting in my body you know imagine like enjoying sex not expecting what's going to happen next and then out of it you have an orgasm you might even start to have sex by yourself and you might really like it perfect i'll be sure yes. to put the links in the show notes where people can find you well thanks erica like, thank you such a literal pleasure <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thank you so much to erica briones for sharing her story and vixen wisdom with us You bring such great energy, and it's always fun chatting with you. I definitely feel like I learned a lot. What about you? A few thoughts that came up for me post-conversation centered around women getting out of their own heads, getting out of the way of our own passion. For those of you who follow me on social media and read some of my writing, you know that I post quite a bit on sexuality and My paintings are very sensually expressive, so it might be surprising for many to hear that sex and sensuality are two things that I completely struggle with in my life. I just can't seem to get out of my own head and connect with someone sexually, and it's quite literally frustrating. (laughs) I find that in my interactions, I'm always thinking about the other person. What would make them happy if I look okay, if they're enjoying the sex? I get lost in everything else going on, and before I know it, the experience has passed. Don't get me wrong, I'll remember being there, but without being present or the feeling that we're two people coming together to create a beautiful experience, it kind of brings up so much emotional trouble and mental speculation for me that eventually bleeds out into my relationships, often ending them prematurely. So even though we might be left with a friendship, there's not really that deeper connection or better understanding of each other, which for me is really disheartening and kind of takes away from my enthusiasm and feeling safe when it comes to showing my passion to another person. And I think that that's really what's been the motivation for me behind learning about sex and sensuality and how they relate to me, or rather how I relate to them. I can't deny that I 
deeply crave that intimate feeling and experience of knowing what it's like to share fully who you are in being with somebody, to feel seen and cared about, and to have them know that you see and care about them too in a way that is just pure love and a celebration of what you both share. What I do know is that creating this kind of experience and a sense of deeper love and connection really does start with you, loving yourself fully, especially when you feel vulnerable. After all, what is more sexy than that? I know that I still have a lot to learn around this and I'm honestly looking forward to it. We were given some really great tools and advice from Erica and I'll be sure to share my experiences with some of them in future episodes, but I'd also love to hear from you. So feel free to connect with us on Facebook at The Prismatic Academy, on Twitter at Life Prismatic, or on our website at The Prismatic Life. And also, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating and some feedback on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's super helpful to both me and the show and helps us to connect with more amazing people just like you. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. This chapter is definitely not closed, but we'll bookmark it for now. And until next time, cheers, everyone.